and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Like I'm just, I'm just going to tell you what, what's inside of Covington, it's released many times through song, but what God has given them is a gift to this house and to the region. So I just honor you, bro. I thank you for believing in us, for driving here when I could only pay you gas. And I'm, I'm so ready to receive what you have for us tonight. So can we honor him as he comes forward tonight? Oh, and, and I'll just say this. I know there's lots of questions about the merger and what's all going on. We're going to answer your questions. We're going to go on the journey together. But just pray. The primary thing is prayer. Say prayer. Prayer is the primary thing. I love you guys. Where'd you go, bro? All right. He's got to grab something. Well, you get to hang out a few more minutes with me. So, so I, I will say this. Um, the goal is to move to that location in January. So can you guys pray with us? that the right contractors, the right workers, the right numbers, the right everything works out so we can smoothly move into that location and celebrate what God's doing. I want to be over there by the conference. So at the end of January, we have a conference with Corey Russell and Alan Hood. I want to be in there before that so we can release over the region in our new house what God is doing. Amen? You ready? All right, let's get it. I appreciate you for honoring me, but I want to honor you. So before we get started, I want to tell some stories. <laughs> it's honoring. It's going to get. It's going to get to honoring. <laughs> so, I do want to honor you guys because y'all are my best friends, and I just want to say that of all of our friends, I've known you guys the longest. So I've known Destiny since she was 16. She was in 10th grade, and uh, I was a leader in our youth band. Actually, I led worship for our youth band. I was probably about 19. <laughs> And she started coming to our church, and she was super scared to try out for the band. And she couldn't sing with a lick. <laughs> I mean, she was terrible. She's absolutely terrible, and I remember her, like the youth pastor at the time, she made us come in. She made her come in, and for some reason, she was afraid to sing in front of me, and I was just this 19-year-old kid who ain't know nothing about nothing. And so I got her in front of me, she started to sing, and, uh, and that's really... That's really, I think, how our relationship even started, you know, on the stage as kids. And it's just been an honor to see, like, you grow into the person that you've become, into the leader that you've become, into the Levite that you've become, and the prophetic voice that you've become. It's, 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 it's amazing to me because I'm 34 years old. She's, like, four years younger than me. And I feel like somewhere along the line, she just, <laughs> just, like, zoomed right on past me. But really, it's an honor to be able to sit underneath you, and I just wanted to honor you. I've known Gio probably longer than any of the rest of the guys who we've been running with for the last 13 years. I met Gio uh, in 2007. He had come to visit our ministry school, and I want to say that you just got saved and just got off the street. And I know a lot of times y'all hear him talk from the stage, and he's like, man, I was rough, I was tough, you know, and I, I was... Um, I was hard, and he ain't lying. Even at that point, if you said something wrong to him, you liable to get knocked out. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure there were some times where some of those guys at the guy's house, they bought boxing gloves and Gio about to kill somebody. That man had hands. Yeah, had hands. Probably get beat up now. But I just want to say that it's an honor to see even, even where, it's an honor to walk underneath you, bro. 
It's an honor to see what the Lord has done from the time that you were 18 until, until now. To see you walk in the calling that you've walked in, to see a, and it amazes me, it amazes me to see a 100% fully given yes from these two. And I, I want to make this clear because a lot of times from the, from the podium, you can hear their story and it's like, hey, you know, you know what I mean? But I've known these guys personally for the last 13, for almost half my life, if, if you want to. If you want to be real about it, and the person that you, that you hear about from the pulpit is the person that you get. And it just comes from a series of just continuing to just lay their life down in ways that my brain can't fathom. And so I appreciate uh, what, you guys are, what you guys are doing, what you guys are pioneering. And I know that it's the Lord that accomplishes these things, but without the two of you, none of us would be here. A by church wouldn't exist. It's because of your yes. And I know that we've all had a part to play in it, right? We all get to be a part of what's happening in this region, but it's because of your yes that we're all, that I'm standing here and every single one of these people are in this building. And I'm just going to go a little bit further and then, and then, we'll, and then we'll get started. As we were, as, as, as we were uh, worshiping this morning and um, I listened to you just kind of talk through the transition that, that we're going to be going through, you know, through the next couple of months. And as you were leading us in prayer for people who had dreams and visions and promises and, and seeing those things reinvigorated. And as we prayed for the group from Grounded to come in and be integrated into an actual family with us, I just thought to myself, <clears throat> man, I believe the Lord sees you guys as, as Davidic in nature. I believe that with my whole heart. And the reason why is because you're gentle enough to guide sheep, counsel, and loving kindness, but you're strong enough in faith to take down the lion and the bear and pull down strongholds in the region with absolutely no... I've never seen somebody attack the enemy the way that you guys do. You stand for nothing. You let him take no ground. But at the same time, you're courageous, in, you're courageous in heart to have zeal for the house of God, to see Jesus' presence made central in this region, in this nation, and in this world. And so when I look at you, I, I see someone who is Davidic in nature, and I believe that you embody uh, Psalms 27.4. I believe you embody that, and that you are a unit, because I'm not talking about one individual person, but a unit who is after God's own heart. I noticed these things even this morning as you guys work together, how you tag team with each other in prayer. It's just amazing. And I just want to say before I even get started, I love you and thank you for letting me come up here. I just want to take that time to do that. So <clears throat> I'm a little different, y'all. You know, I've preached like four times in my life. <laughs> I have absolutely no experience and I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just being 100% honest with you. I'm trying to set the bar low. You feel me? Setting the bar low. You ain't getting no slogans. You ain't getting no one-liners. I need some tutorage for Pastor Marcus. And, 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 and last but not least, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was cleaning up. <laughs> this is funny. I was cleaning up after worship, and I walked over. <clears throat> Get off my piano. Come over here. I'm going to move the podium back. And I see Gio's iPad. Gio just got done preaching a 45-minute sermon. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to look at his notes. 
I opened up the iPad and it was three sentences. And bro, I was like, how? If I had three sentences worth of notes in this iPad, y'all getting a five second sermon, bro. And I'm out. And so I, I just, I, you know, I say all that to say that I am nervous. I am afraid, not because I only have only done this about four times, but also because I feel the heaviness <clears throat> of what I feel like the Lord wants to say tonight. And I want to be sure that I say what he wants me to say. I really don't care. I really don't care if you guys hear from me. I want you to hear the message of the Lord. Okay, does that make sense? And today I want to talk about, or I want to walk through, because you ain't getting no loud preaching from me, it just ain't me. Go somewhere else with all of that. I want to talk with you and speak through Matthew chapter 25, and I want to talk about the 10 virgins. And, you know, as I, as I was thinking about what, you know, the Lord was saying to me in this moment. I'm a huge thinker. I think about everything. You can ask my wife. I overanalyze everything. If I watch a movie, I got to spend six hours figuring out the Lord. I have, I have to know. So as I was thinking about what the Lord wanted to share with you tonight, I just heard the question, where's your oil? Have you stored up your oil? We're living in what some have called, sorry, I have a cold. We're living in what some have called the most unprecedented time that humanity has ever seen. And we don't have to look globally. We can look just in, in our country, COVID-19, you know, in the last two years has just kind of flipped, turned upside down, backwards, forwards, left and right, everything. And um, it really, I feel like, and, and I know I've heard it, heard it said before, but I believe this, that it has exposed, like, the, the pure selfishness, the pride, right, and the hatred of humanity. That alongside of uh, social agendas and political agendas and civil agendas, and we have just seen, especially in the church, just one of the biggest divides yes. I've ever heard of, I've ever seen in my life, where different people groups within the church literally, literally hate other people groups. Yeah. And in the midst of all of these things happening, I hear the Lord asking, who has oil? Yeah. Right? right? Who has oil? And so if we look at Matthew chapter 25, and in particular Matthew chapter 24, you are going to see that these two chapters are, are synonymous with each other. Jesus is preaching the same sermon. It's the same thing. It's a continuation. Matthew chapter 25 is a continuation of Matthew chapter 24. So if we're going to understand Matthew chapter 25, we need to look at Matthew chapter 24. So that's what we're going to do. Matthew chapter 24 verse 6 says... I'm going to try to make this quick because I want to get into communion and I want to do some worship as well. Matthew 24 verse 6 says, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars. And this is important. These three words, these three words are the most important, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. 
There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, and then many will become offended. The New Living Translation says many will turn on each other. They will betray one another, and they will hate one another. And then it goes on to say that because of the lack of love, the people's heart will begin to grow cold. And as I'm reading through this, I'm thinking to myself, well, then if I'm reading this, why am I surprised at what I see that's coming from the world? Why does it surprise me? And why do I, why do I need, feel the need to overreact? Why do I feel the need that I have to push my agenda to fix, a, to fix a problem? Why do I get all uptight about it? Because he said it would happen. And I just don't think, this is just to me, I could be wrong. I just don't, if he wrote it, it's going to happen. And then it says that it's going to get worse. And I don't think that there's anything that I can do to fix that. But what tends to happen is, or what we've done, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong, what we've done is we've, we've looked to other men. And this isn't on one side of the spectrum. This isn't one political party. This isn't, this is, this is different groups of people. We have selected men and we've put them in places of power and we've told them this one is going to fix the problem. And we've set legislature together and we are trying to create laws all with the purpose of fixing the problem. And the only one who can fix the problem is Jesus. <laughs> and, we, and, and we waste our time and the byproduct of us doing these things is when I have sided with the person whose solution I think is best collides with what that person thinks is best, we fight. And then we get offended and then we hate each other. And then John 17, unity just goes right down the toilet bowl. And still, all the while, what I hear is, do you have oil? Where's the oil? Have you stored up oil? And I want to talk about what that oil is here in a little bit. But I believe that the Lord gave an answer to the solution, to the problem, to the calamity, to the tribulation that's going to come. In verse 29 of Matthew 24, it gives us an answer. It says that it will be like the season of Noah. And on top of the calamity... On top of the things that will be happening, we'll be giving in marriage and we'll be living life. Life will be going on. But then what does it say? That he will come back. And I just believe that the answer to the solution is that he is coming back. And the question that he's asking again is, does anybody have oil? When I come back, am I going to find you with oil? Or am I going to find you fighting a battle that you were never supposed to fight? Am I going to find you with oil? Or am I going to find you blind, naked, wretched? Revelations chapter 3, verse 18 tells the Laodicean church to buy gold that's refined with my fire. And this gold can never, never be taken away. Do you have oil? And so we look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. And it says, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps 
and went out to meet the bridegroom. And I just want to talk about that first word, then. Nothing is there by chance. Nothing happens by mistake. If there is a then, then you would surmise that there would have been something before the then. The then is in response to what's happening in the earlier part of the sermon that he's preaching, right? Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins. It doesn't say that the calamity is coming, but don't panic. Because we already know that Jesus overcame the world, so we're overcomers, right? So don't panic. In spite of the fact that calamity is coming, he got you, bro. He got us, bro. We are still alive. We're still kicking. There will always be a remnant. He's got us. It doesn't say, then the kingdom of heaven shall come together when all of the good Christians, all the good Democrat Christians or the good Republican Christians can come together and kick the butt of the communist, right? Is that, is that what it says? It looks to me like it says that then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins. He's looking for people who got oil. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Uh, Two through five says, now five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. So I just want to stop for a second. Man, this is crazy, bro. I've never noticed this thing in my life. And I knew that I was going to be speaking on this. And I walked into church this morning all nervous, like, man, I got to speak tonight. And I walked into the office and I saw this. You know what this is? It's an oil lamp. And I'm like, Lord, I know this thing's been here for like six months. Why have I never seen this thing before today? I had a picture that I wanted to show you of what an oil lamp looked like so we can get an accurate picture of what's happening in this chapter. And what would happen is there will be a wick. Can y'all see this thing? There will be a wick that would sit inside of this hole and go down into this tank, if you will. And this tank is called the vessel, and it would hold the oil. And when you lit the wick, the... The, uh, the flame would pull the oil up the wick and, um, and, and create a flame that would last. And what would happen is if your vessel was empty, then there may be some oil in your wick, but it wouldn't burn for more than five or ten minutes because there's no oil in the vessel. And so I wanted to just give you guys an idea of what that looks like. It says, now five of them were wise, five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And I just want to be granular. And I'm not saying this to call anybody out. For God's sake, I'm not saying nobody's a fool in here. But these people were together. And we're not talking about the world. We're not talking about sinners. This is the church. And the five foolish were with the five wise. And if we're just talking about, we're just being real, right? We're not not putting on a mask. We're not putting on a facade. The reality is that In the church, and I'm just going to say in the church of Tampa Bay, every Sunday, the foolish are gathering with the wise, and the foolish have no oil in their lamps. Yet they come to church, they raise their arms, they sing praises to Jesus, they they fill a manner of the presence of God and walk out unchanged because they have no oil. 
And, and I don't want to be too presumptuous, but even in this building, even in this church, I'm not talking to any one person, please. I guess it don't really matter because I just lead worship, so if you get offended. <laughs> I just tell Gio not to let me preach for a couple of years. Y'all forget about it. But even in this church, the reality is there are foolish versions. And this is a question that we really have to ask yourself, ourselves. This is a question that I have to ask myself. In, in Revelation chapter 13, it says that the, I'm sorry, not Revelation chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, it says that the wheat was with the tares. And they weren't separated until the harvest. And I just believe that as we draw nearer to the, to the time when, when Jesus comes back, there's not going to be any, any way to conceal it anymore. Right? Times are just going to become too hard. And fake people, man, you're going you're to get called out. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I, 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 I'm, looking, I'm pointing this at myself. I have to look at areas in my own life where I have no oil. And I have to say to myself, I've got to get the oil. I don't have time. I don't have time to argue about things that don't matter. There's just no time for it because that's not the question that the Lord is asking. He's asking, where's the oil? I'm about to break this thing. Hold on. He's asking, where's the oil? And then it says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 6, at the midnight cry, at, the mid at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And let's just, let's, let's really get a good understanding of what's happening here, right? Jewish people didn't get married the way we did, the way we do. They don't meet at a church or at a bar or walking through Kmart. You see some fine girl, you're like, hey, what up? You know what I mean? Like, that's not how they got married. <laughs> Jewish, marriages, Jewish marriages were arranged by the parents of the couple. And the bride would set the price. And the groom's family would pay that price. So whether it was 27 cows, 67 cows, 13 bells of hay, they would pay that price. And from the moment that that price was paid, those two were betrothed. Do you see the prophetic picture? That from the moment, that from the moment that Jesus died for your sins and you gave him your yes, you were betrothed. You belong to him and he belongs to you. I want to say that again. In Jewish custom, the bride's parents set the price. The groom's parents paid the price. And from that moment, those two were betrothed. Now, the, the, the couple could be really young or they could be a little bit older, but they're betrothed. And that's a prophetic picture of what Jesus has done now. Since he died on the cross for your sins, you, when you said yes, became betrothed to him. And he is coming. He's coming. And I know that you, you know, we've been reading news articles for years about Christ is coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, and we just live our lives. But like he's really coming and we can all and I we can all sit in this room and raise our hands 
and sing songs of praise. And I'm talking to myself. But do we really know? Or are we just empty? Because the problem here is that all of the virgins, they had, they had, they had, uh, they had the, they had the lamps. They had the, they had the infrastructure. Like they had the infrastructure. They had the wicks. And at the midnight cry, when the bridegroom was coming, they all got up and trimmed their lamps. It means that they cut the wicks to make sure they had flame. And they got all the way to the point where it was time to light them. This is the saddest part, man. They got all the way to the point where they were supposed to light them, and now they have no oil. Five of them have no oil. And then they frantically, oh, we need oil, we need oil. Wise virgins, please give us some oil. <coughs> please give us some oil. We have none. And because we don't have no oil, we're not going to be able to see the bride when he comes. We're not going to be able to see the bridegroom when he comes. You see, in, in the Jewish custom, after, after that time, of betrothal the groom would then begin to prepare and he would live his life he would pick up a trade usually from his father and uh, he would begin to build his house and it was the job of the bride to make sure that she was ready for when he finished and what would happen in the Jewish custom and the reason why they had to carry these these uh, these lamps is because the groom, when he had finally got his preparations ready, would typically come in um, at night. And the bride would not know the hour that he would come. They would know the season because they were close enough to know, hey, he's almost done. He's almost done. He's almost done setting his, his stuff up. So I... I, I got to make sure I'm ready. I don't know the hour, but I got to make sure that I'm ready. And so there was a certain point, and it would usually happen at night, that the, the groom would knock on the door. He would bring from his house his, his wedding party, and he would come and knock on the door. And the, and, the, and the bride, being ready, would open the door with her party, and they would leave, and they would have a processional through the night with the candles back to the groom's family where they would have the wedding, the celebration. And then from that point, they would go into a tent that was specially made where the consummation would happen and then the, the, the bride would come back out and show that, you know, she was a virgin. And that was a Jewish wedding. And I want you to understand that, that he's coming. He's coming. But do we have oil? And so the five foolish virgins begged, please, please give us some oil. We won't be able to see him when he comes. And the five wise ones said, we can't give you oil because if we gave you oil, then we wouldn't have oil. You need to go out and buy your own oil. And then when they went to go buy the oil, the oil they went and bought their oil and they came back and the door was shut. And as I was reading this, I was thinking to myself, what does this mean? And the Lord said, you cannot get oil. Man, you can come here every day for the rest of your life and listen to Marcus one-liners. 
and listen to Pastor Gio's amazing sermons and you will not get one iota of oil. You can go to conferences and you will not get one iota of oil. There is only one thing that buys oil and it's time. It's time. It's the oil of the presence of the Holy Spirit that just covers you when you spend time with the person of Jesus. And so there's nothing, there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we can do. There's no amount of coming here that's ever going to satisfy of just coming inside of a church building on Sunday. And it's the reason why people come in and they leave unchanged. It's the reason, because let, let me explain something to you. We have, we, we operate in this place in such a manner that it is saturated with the presence of God. So if you come here, you're going to feel it. You're going to. Because it's what we do. It's what we've pioneered. It's what these two have said yes to. But if you haven't spent time in the quiet place with the person of Jesus Christ, buying gold that has been refined with fire, that can never die or never go away, you will leave the room unchanged. The presence of God that was in this building will stay in this building and it will not leave with you. It will not leave on you. Does that make sense? It won't leave on you. Because he's looking for people who are going to spend time with him. If your lamps are empty, you're just blind. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm not saying that to be condescending or to condemn any person in this room because I'm saying it to myself. I'm saying it to myself. I need oil. I need the oil of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's what it is. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. So, I really want to leave time for, um, for worship, and I'm going to have Gio come up, because we're going to go into some worship, and I want him to do communion, and I have to play the piano. But I want to, I want to set a marking moment in motion, if you will. And I want to do communion. I don't know any of you can ask these guys. I just say what I think. Sometimes, well, it ain't good. But I'm just tired of the fakeness in the church. We know, you know if you have no oil. <laughs> Come on, man. We don't need to make no excuses. If you ain't got no oil, you ain't got no oil. And that's a bad place to be. And so we're going to do communion and Pastor Gio is going to come up. And I just want to give this challenge. Man, don't do communion just because we're doing communion. Because it's the cool thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Break the body, drink the blood, right? No. 
if you have no oil, do this. Because this is going to create a new slate for you. If there's any area in your life, we want to mark it now. If there's any area in your life where you know, I just don't have no oil. I've been caught up in all of this stuff. And, and, and for God's sake, I'm not saying that we don't need to fight against like evil stuff that's happening in the world. I'm not saying sit back like some bump on a log and just let whatever happens happen. I'm not saying that. There's a place and a time to fight. There's a place and a time to stand up for what's right. But that is never to supersede the oil. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. That is never supposed to supersede. It's from the place of having oil that we're able to respond to all of these things. If, if we have no oil, then you know what? We won't love our brother. We'll hate them because they don't agree with what we're doing. And so I just want to make that clear as we go into communion that if you have no oil to take, to take a part of it, because I believe that the Lord is going to mark lives today. You can start off with a clean slate. And I promise you that he will make your heart new. And we don't have to strive. You don't have to leave from this moment today begging the Lord, begging the Lord for oil. He said, we never got to beg for no bread, please. You know what kind of God we serve? <clears throat> but if you would come to him, just come, then that thing would be full immediately. And so, you know, I'm just thankful again for, Gio, if you let me, let me do this. I want to hand this over to you so you can say whatever you want, correct all my, my mistakes. Oh, that was beautiful, yeah. I, I, don't really, I don't really have anything to add. Um, I feel like we have a fresh opportunity. We always want to provide time to respond to the word, right? Like, we can't hear a word like that. And, and like Covey said, anytime I hear a word like that, I never want to be in a place where I'm trying to think of all the people that I know that I think don't have oil. I'm going to, like, hit the altar and be like, God, because <laughs> the nature of deception is you don't know. You think it's everybody else, and it can never be you. So... What I want to do is I want to take communion. I'm going to have Pastor Tyler, if you don't mind, coming up. Zachariah, can you, can you pass that around, please? I'm going to have Zachariah pass it around. And I'm just going to give us a moment to just maybe, like, examine our hearts where we're at. And as, as Covey said tonight, like, the Lord is more than willing. He's pouring. It's not like we got to come begging. But a lot of times there are blockages that are not allowing us to receive all he's pouring out. Like, we could just be honest about that. Like there are different things that the Lord can speak and in a moment he can remove and you can be poured in afresh. So I, I'm going to give him a moment to just, to just lead us. And maybe we just take a couple of minutes and just ask the Lord, Father, is there anything in my life that's distracting me? Here's a great question, man. Maybe your oil, maybe your lamp's burning, but it's, you're, it's illuminating all the wrong things. It's like, I believe when the the virgin showed up they maybe had oil but they just burnt it at trying to trying to see all the wrong things and it's like father we we ask that you would preserve us to burn and to wait for when you come and for the right moments and opportunities so let's just take a moment the reality is there's nothing i can do in this moment to make this moment like it's got to be a, a you responding to the holy spirit there's nothing we can do but provide an opportunity for you to respond to the Lord. 
So I'm going to pray very quickly, and I'm going to ask the Lord, Father, would you just would you just speak to us tonight as we come to your table? You promise us healing, provision, wholeness, grace, new beginnings. So, Father, we silence every voice that's not the voice of the Holy Spirit right now. And, Father, we ask that your voice would be clear. Give us a few moments and then we're going to come to the table of the Lord. I don't need 